Welcome to part two of this week's podcast. So how do I know if this is effective with my member? And also I have people like... So a question I get a lot is, we just had a member go through a membership council because of sexual sin. Clinically, I would say they're struggling with a sexual addiction or sexually compulsive behavior, whatever it is. How do I meet with this person every week or every two? Like, what do I say? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus still loves you. Sorry it was a hard week, right? I feel awkward. And also, I'm paying for this therapy or I know they're going to therapy. How do I know it's effective? Because this therapist is working with them over here. The therapist might be seeing them twice as much as I am as a church leader. And so how do I know what's going on? And it's really simple. I could tell you the interview every time. Hey, KF, how's it going? Hope, connection, however I'm going to do that. So how's going to therapy with whoever you go to? Oh, it's good. What about it is good? What are you learning? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing in therapy? Tell me why this is working for you. And do you know what they're going to do? They're going to tell you. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, I was totally learning about this thing called the drama triangle where like it's when you're not really sharing your true feelings, but you're just like reacting bad. Oh, teach that to me. By the way, as a bishop, you want some free education? You want some free psychoed? <laughs> You'll get it from your members. Yeah. I had a bishop who I went through my process with. He's like, do you know how much I've learned about sexual addiction because I sat and interviewed you? Yeah, Because I told him, I'm like, this is what I learned in group therapy. I agreed with this. I didn't agree with this. This is what someone said. So just ask them. Just literally have them tell you about it. And you will be inspired, one, to know how to speak hope into them and how what's going on with them. And then two, you'll also be inspired because the Lord will tell you, hey, that's working. Yeah. That's a good resource for this person. God is in it and in this. Or they're going to go, yeah, we just go to couples therapy and I don't know, we just talk and it's never connected and they're going to be totally deflated. P.S. Quit paying for that couples therapist. It's a waste of time. Yeah. It's not, they're not doing anything, but people will wait and wait and wait. I hear this all the time. Well, how long are you going to therapy? Six months. What happened? Nothing. Oh my gosh, that's thousands of dollars and a bunch of your time. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know that. So just simply asking them, you'll be able to really gauge if the the severity of what they're dealing with is meeting the level of therapy they need if it's not then you know or if you don't if you're not getting back that answer of right. wow wow this is really transformational it's really helping you can back them and say right. you know why don't we why don't we we don't have to keep doing this like what, let's try something else i have a few other resources here right my life is in total crisis how's therapy once a week not helping i feel like the hour ends in 2 seconds and i'm in total crisis could you meet with that therapist for a 3 hour block every week because you'll probably only need that for a couple months. Because yeah. if you actually got it and got and could deal with the things, right? But people fear, oh, if I send them to a workshop, great, we're going to send this person to some thousands of dollar workshop every other month. No, you're going to do it like once. And then they can go to therapy once a week or not at all and move into you know what they need to move into. So just ask them. And then see, because then it doesn't have to be about your judgment. You know the spirit sitting in that chair. The Lord's going to tell you, how's couples therapy? Really bad? Right? You have the spouse in there. The husband's like, it's great. It's fine. Wife walks in. I think the therapist just lets him lie about his sexual addiction and I feel really unsafe. Okay. So maybe try a different couples therapist uh-huh. or a different type of therapy. I'm not a I rocket guess, scientist right? or not couples therapy. Or, right. Like, yeah. And so to me, it, you don't have to have all of the answers. Dear member, I love you. What do you need? I think I need help. Does this feel like help to you? Therapy once a week? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I meet with them in two weeks. How did that go? Man, I was just crying in there and I felt so seen and heard and loved. 
okay, let's keep doing that one. We've been going to couples therapy for three months. Feels like a waste of time. I want to know why you're on month three. Right. <laughs> like I'm out. And so as a leader, that's how I can know whether or not that's going well. And then from managing the relationship. So one key thing that leaders need to know is even if a leader is paying for therapy, it doesn't mean that they can hear about the treatment from the counselor. So if someone calls me and says, hey, I'm Kurtz Bishop. I'd like to know what's happening in those sessions that I'm paying for. My response is going to be, I cannot confirm or deny that I know anyone named Kurt. Right. <laughs> and then I'm going to call you and say, hey, your bishop called me. Do you want me to talk to him about your treatment? And if you say yes, then I'm going to send you a form that you give me consent to talk to. Yeah, him. there's an actual form you there's sign. There's an actual yeah. form you sign. Uh -huh. And you as the bishop don't have to sign that form. So I would not be paying for a member's therapy without having that form signed. Mm -hmm. I would not say, oh, go to that therapist. I'm going to pay a bunch of money and I have no idea what's happening and I can never communicate with the therapist. No, I understand there's a consent form. If I'm going to pay for it, I need the therapist to sign. Yeah, You need to put my name on that form when you're in the therapist's office and sign it. And then, so the therapist is not going to want to sit there and talk to you forever. I don't. Yeah, I could spend my half my career just talking to parents and family members and bishops, right? If I did. So here's what I do. I ask those questions to the member. Hey, member, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. This is how therapy's going. It's really good. It's really bad. Whatever it is. Great. I can send an email to the therapist. I can have a three-minute conversation with the therapist. Hey, dear therapist, they say it's going really well and they're learning a lot. Accurate? Yep. Accurate. Great. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Hey, therapist, this couple's been coming to you for three months. They feel like they're not getting anything. I'm wondering if they should terminate and go to someone new. Honestly, I bet you the therapist says, yeah, it's not going that well. I think they should try someone else. Hmm. Like, I bet you the therapist won't even lie about it, right? Yeah. Like won't even be like, no, no, they're, I'm figuring it out. And there's a lot of times that stuff happens because this is a truth when people are doing their mental health. Sometimes they aren't honest with their bishop. Hmm. So I've had conversations with bishops that, how's the marriage going? Husband reports, it's going so well. We're doing really good. Husband calls me. Did you know she moved out two months ago? Oh, nope. That's not what he told me. When did you meet with him? Two days ago. Hmm. hmm. Well, I meet with him and the wife and um, yeah, they're separated. She moved out two months ago. So you might want to call him back in and be like, hey, bud. Mm -hmm. It's not. Yeah. That's not right. And, and, and so I don't have to, I don't have to, if I'm a bishop, I don't have to spend six hours a week on whatever weeknight talking to a bunch of therapists. I can once a month, once every two months, just touch base and go, this is what I'm hearing. Accurate, inaccurate. And the therapist can go thumb up, thumb down, two-minute conversation. Yeah. You can text the therapist. You can send them an email. Yeah. But just touch. You don't, so you don't have to like have an ongoing relationship with this therapist. Right. Do it through the member. So what, would, what advice would you give to the leader who's, you know, you, uh, great advice as far as the questions asked to the individual getting the therapy to really gauge if it's working or not. What about when you do call the therapist? I remember being that bishop, I started it. I felt like I, would, I needed to call him or her because, uh, you know, I was paying for it and how's it going. And, but I didn't really know what questions to ask and they'd list some things off and be like, okay. But again, what I would say is you don't just go through the member. So that not even necessary to call the therapist per se. So if you are referring someone to a therapist, I would say it's great to have an initial conversation and say, Hey therapist, I'm sending Kurt to you because he's depressed. Can you help people with depression? Sure can. That's my bag. Awesome. How long do you think it's going to take? Have you met? So my real advice is I would talk to the therapist after the therapist has met the member once. So what I would say is, hey, are you a therapist who deals with depression? Great. Cool. I'm sending you someone. Can we talk after you meet with them once? Great. Again, 
two minute conversation. That could just be an email mm-hmm. or a text. So, hey, so you met Kurt. Do you think you can work with him? Totally. I could help this guy. How long do you think this is going to take roughly? Like, what do you recommend? And they might say, because people always want a time frame and that doesn't make sense. How long? Three months. Well, is that three months of them seeing you 10 times a week? Or is that three months of them seeing you once a week? So make sure you've established yeah. because you might say to this person, right? Well, how often should they see you? If they would come twice a week, I think we could be done in like two months. Yeah. Oh, well, let's just do that instead of once a week for a year. Right. And so I can see what's going on and touch base with that. Again, I think one of the biggest fears church leaders have is I'm spending all of this money and it's a waste and it's not doing anything. You will hear that through the member. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, how's therapy? Oh, it's great. What are you learning? Nothing, but it's great. Mm-hmm. You'll know the tone and right. you'll be like, this seems like a waste of time because you've been going to therapy for six months and you don't seem any less depressed. So like, what happened? And they may say, well, did you know that my mom died two months ago? So it's not helping me out. And you go, oh, that makes sense. Right? Again, chronic, not acute. Great. That makes sense. So you have been working on your depression, just the depression's working against you, yeah. right? And life circumstances, and that makes sense. And so I can use the member as a much bigger litmus test than I can trying to call all these therapists all the time. Yeah. So I, and I'm sort of setting the, an expectation of what do you expect? Because I hear this from a lot of therapists. They sort of get the, the hear from the bishop saying, hey, I'll pay for three. That's it. And you sort of feel like, well, I need six or seven or 10 or this person needs an intensive experience or, or this isn't going to work. And so sometimes they'll just throw like, I'm willing to pay for three. So figure that out in three sessions. But the conversation of setting an expectation could really help. Yeah. And so if I'm a bishop and I feel like I need to set expectations, right? So if I feel like I need to say, hey, I'm willing to give you therapy. So I was in a bishopric in an inner city ward. So I understand we're willing to pay for your rent, but you have to come to church, right? We were mm-hmm. a third of our congregation was essentially quasi homeless. Mm-hmm. So I understand like, it's not about just being a, a blank checkbook and hoping we're Mother Teresa and we've done the world good. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the idea. But the number doesn't make sense, right? So that's like, to me, saying, well, let's manage your golf game based on how many different tees you break. Well, no, it doesn't matter. You might drive the ball crazy well that day and break a tee on every box. Or you may not break a single tee and you had the best score you've ever had. So to say three sessions, eight sessions, I'm willing to pay for once a week for three months. I'm fine with doing that and reassessing. I hope you're meeting with that member more than every three months. But the question is, what are you hoping happens in this therapy session? I'm sending you to therapy because you struggle with a pornography addiction. Therapist, what can you do to help this person? I can totally help them with their addiction. What does that mean? They'll be looking at less porn. They'll have more self-worth. Their testimony will grow. What does that mean? Hmm. And then I'm going to ask the member, do you feel like that you're acting out less or that your testimony is growing? Yes. Tell me about that. And then they're going to tell you. And then you're going to know whether the therapy is a waste of time or really effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Really helpful. Anything else in the realm of... Uh, well, let me go back with... Uh, as far as when you're maybe communicating with a therapist or that individual, you're saying, you know, how's therapy going? And maybe it's not going well. Is Do most therapists... Just they're naturally recommending maybe more intensive options if they're because not once through my whole five years did a therapist come to me and say, Hey, you should send them to this intensive experience. 
Yeah. So the truth is that most therapists don't know that it exists and aren't familiar with it themselves. That's the truth. They just live in a world where we'll just Come meet once a week and yeah. see how far we get. And yeah. if we need to do eight more sessions, we'll do yep. eight more sessions. Yeah. Most of the therapists, you know, may, they meet with 30 people a week for an hour at a time and they just, they crank that out. Right. So most of them are on that end of the buffet. But there are people who do workshops, intensives, things like that. And it is totally an effective. So statistically, people have a lot of, a lot of success with that. Yeah. And so, the truth is it's harder to facilitate. So that's why you have less people doing it. It's harder to facilitate intensive programs. Is that Correct. what you're saying? Uh-huh. Right. Because yeah. see, for me to rent an office space, that's easy to do. For me to house and feed people for three days or five days, logistically, that becomes more difficult. And also, it's a different skill set. It tends to be a more experienced skill set yeah. to be able to facilitate things yeah. like that. So if I was at the... A therapist who maybe isn't recommending to intensive, how would they respond to that? Like if I said, is there any need for more intensive therapy? What, how would they respond to you? Uh, the usual, if I were to make an argument against intensive, I would say it's really expensive. So that's a nice luxury if you have the money to do it. It's like a rich people therapy. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a rich people therapy. And that's nice if you have the luxury to do that. But, you know, otherwise, you know, I think... I think we can handle your issue in in us meeting once a week for whatever. But I, I would I'd have a hard pressed time finding someone, not to be rude, but I'd argue is credible, who's like, Oh, your spouse just died? Totally. Meet with me once a week for like two months, we'll have it all worked out. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Hmm, wow, you've got some secret sauce. you should share that with the world because <laughs> we could yeah. be doing this better. Yeah. And so again, do I think, I don't think everyone even needs to go to therapy, right? And so do I think an intensive is for everyone? No. But one of the largest problems people have with therapy is that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's the number one problem church leaders and people experience with therapy. Well, I went to a therapist for a year and it didn't work. So one part of that equation is you were probably taking the wrong thing off the buffet line. Mm -hmm. So that's the other part. The other part of it which I think leads into the question of how do I find good therapists if I'm a church leader, is the different modalities that are out there. So there's a whole bunch of different modalities that are out there. So right, the most classic is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. That's what most of us know as talk therapy, where I sit down and you and I talk about what's going on. Um, when it comes to couples therapy, there's predominantly two models that most people use. Um, one is called EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy. And then the other one is by Gottman's, it's the Gottman model. And so a vast majority, I won't put a percentage on it, but a vast majority of like couples therapists who are like, I'm an expert couple therapist, typically is in one of those two models. By the way, they're both super effective. Like research is behind them. They have a lot of good. And then when it comes to, uh, you know, the addiction, you can get someone who, you know, is certified. There's some different certifications for that from, you know... (laughs) dialectic dbt to you know sex addiction there's c stats out there that do the patrick karn stuff and then there's and a you're whole just bunch listing of these are just different approaches yeah that, that could happen get, in a therapist right, you office. could get trained in right yeah so uh-huh. for me i do a lot of I'm, I'm certified in experiential therapy i do a lot of psychodrama getting trained in somatic experiencing so i'm doing some of those things right um, there's also internal family systems there's uh, lifespan integration and again all of these models are based on how do we get to the door, how do we find it, and then open it. 
That's whatever the therapy model is. So some will say, how do we get you out of your conscious mind to your subconscious mind? Some will say there's these different parts of yourself. So how do we get to the part of Mm -hmm. yourself that isn't being seen and heard? Get to the experiences. So one of the most well-known is EMDR, which is a way to process a difficult or traumatic experience. So there's a a newer model out of that called brain spotting that they had a long time ago and it wasn't very good. And then they've done some stuff to figure out how it really works. So that happens pretty fast. And with all of these models, so when I go to talk to a therapy, if a therapist doesn't know their own model, pick a different one. What do you mean by that? How, why so, wouldn't they know their own model? Well, I'm telling you <laughs> okay. how to find a good therapist, KF. So if you go to someone who does EMDR, say, how does EMDR work? Why does this work? Hmm. Tell me why you do what you do. And they should be able to respond in totally. two minutes as they, far as what that is. They're going to give you the elevator pitch or their speech, right? So for example, people who do brain spotting will tell you this. EMDR is effective. So this is according to someone who's pro brain spotting, right? Uh-huh. So EMDR is the most researched form because they used it in the military for PTSD. So as the most research behind it, effectively dealing with PTSD and trauma. It's the most research-based one. So EMDR, the model, if you go get trained in it, will tell you it takes eight to 13 sessions to set up and then execute. So if you come in and say, I had a traumatic experience, after I get to know you and we enter the model, it will take eight to 13 sessions to set up and execute that traumatic experience. Brain spotting takes two to three sessions. So maybe the brain spotting people are hippie crazy and you can't do it that fast. EMDR is super effective for a lot of people. I'd never tell anyone to not go get EMDR. I also know people went to EMDR and they're like, that's a joke. Hmm. So again, it's not, there is no right answer. We're not here to tell you. And I'm like, and the secret model is da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have a preference. I believe the body keeps the score. I think it's all about trauma. Da 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 da. That's mm-hmm. the camp I'm in. Um, so you have a preferred model or two or three, but all of these things you've listed off are very credible and nobody would be crazy going to a therapist who is no. using it. Right? No. Right. Right. And so the real catch. So we'll do it from the leader perspective and then talk about just being a person. So from a leader, what I want to say, if I'm going to call therapists and say, I need to get some therapists in my bag, in my referral bag, this is what I'm going to say. So I'm going to call a therapist. So I'm going to call you and say, hey, KF, you're a therapist. By the way, the letters behind their name, LCSW or clinical mental health counselor or LCP, depending where you are in the country, or marriage and family, they literally don't matter. I'm not trying to be... I'm just going to tell you the truth. Even if letters in front of their name, like doctor or... yeah. Yeah. So... That would be so. We'll jump on okay, that. Okay, sorry, we're pushing it too far. <laughs> no, no. So a real easy. Okay, that's about prescribing medicine. Right. So we're going to hijack here for a minute. But okay. you're the one who tangented, not me. Right. That's okay. my job. So if you're saying, is this person going to give me a medical pill? Are they going to give me a pill to take every day for my depression, or are they going to talk to me about my childhood for my depression? If you go to a therapist or counselor, they are going to talk to you about your childhood to heal your depression. If you go to someone who has a doctor in front of their name they are going to probably prescribe you something. That's not 100% true all the time. That's a general rule that when someone says, oh, I was depressed and I went and saw Dr. Swenson. Dr. Swenson probably is a psychiatrist or a psychologist and is going to put you on medication and may also do therapy. Mm -hmm. If you go to so-and-so counselor who's an LCSW, clinical mental health, whatever, right, CMHC or whatever, they are probably going to say, let's talk about your childhood and do whatever therapy model I work in. And by the way, I might refer you to someone who can prescribe medicine for you. So that's the quick difference on that. So as far as the model goes, they should know their own model. So I'm going to call you and say, hey, KF, you're a counselor. 
Yes. I have members in my congregation who are working on their marriage and have marital issues. You say you do marriage counseling. What do you do? And you're going to tell me in two or three I'll minutes. I'll say, oh, I do the Gottman whatever. You're going to say, right? yeah, I'm, I'm trained in Gottman and I'm trained in this and I'm trained in motivational interviewing. And then I can ask you a question. Well, why does Gottman's work? And they're passionate about what they do. And they're going to say, well, Gottman's is the best because da, 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 da. Right. So if you call me, I'm going to tell you why I think experiential and psychodramatic and somatic therapy is the best because it's the model I work in and I drink my own Kool Aid. Mm -hmm. Just as if you go to someone who does EMDR, they're going to tell you why EMDR is the best. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You don't, unless you want to write a book about the king of the hill and therapy models, just does it feel good to you or not? Right. If you call that person and they say, this is how I think marriage looks. This is what I feel. This is what I do. And you go, hmm, that makes sense to me. Then you start referring members to them. You're talking to the members about their therapy. So if I send three members to Stephen Shields and all of them have a bad experience with me, quit sending people to Stephen Shields. Right. If you send three members to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Stephen Shields is the greatest. We're upset. And you were seeing change in them. Now put Stephen Shields in your back. Right. And this is an interesting dynamic because the I would say close to 0% of bishops or leaders that are referring actually take the time to maybe vet certain counselors. Because typically what happens is you outsource to, to family services, bless their heart. I mean, they're uh -huh. a team of great therapists and the uh -huh. church run and things yep. like that. But then it's like, you, you, I notice sending there, you get back a lot of mixed results. Like, ah, yeah. I didn't well, really jive and, with that guy. And in fairness, they're not live all end all. Hmm. So I think I am an effective and really good therapist. I'm not for everybody. Yeah. So I had an individual therapist that I love and she was totally like a bit of a ball buster, you know, and personality wise, like that worked for me, particularly early in my addiction recovery. We went to her also for couples therapy. Kayla hated her because mm -hmm. Kayla's like a lot softer. She's really wounded at the time and hurt. And so when this lady's like, well, what do you mean, Kayla? Kayla's like, what do you mean? I don't even have to be here. He's <laughs> the one who cheated on me. What? Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so there's no live all. So to me, it's over time, right? Right. So if I send three people to this couples counselor and all three of them have a bad experience, that tells me it's probably the counselor. Mm -hmm. If I send five people to them and four have a good experience and the one couple doesn't, it's either a personality fit or that couple doesn't care yeah. or they're not engaged or one of them didn't really show yeah. up or what it's going to be on the member, yeah. right? So let me share this recommendation. And I hate to say this because I'd want to be a good advocate for all the church's services and resources. But from my experience, what I found is when I sent people to family services, I sort of didn't know what I was going to get, you know, what therapist. But when I, I began to get referrals and recommendations of different therapists, and I found a handful that I felt I really jived with, the people I sent really jived with, and then I could continue. I sort of had these referral sources. Right. And so year three, when someone came in with marital issues, I'm like, oh, I got three therapists. Try this one first. Let me know how it goes. And if it came back not, then I'd say, okay, try this one. Right. Right. And you certainly need to build that house of right. resources. And there. I would not, as a bishop, if I were a new bishop, I wouldn't take 20 hours to find a bunch of therapists. Right. You know what I do when a member walks in my office? Hey, I'm really struggling with depression. Why don't you find three pair, three therapists that you think would be good and let me know? Yeah. And then <laughs> Great. You, begin to... you found three. Which one do you think is good? And now I'm going to send a couple other members there and the members, because I'm already spending my time meeting yeah. with the members. Yeah. I'm already spending my time meeting with them. I'm wondering what to talk about in this interview. Here you go. This is what you talk about. And now I'm going to know after being a bishop for a year, you're going to have a Rolodex of 
oh, what's your issue? Oh, it's a childhood thing. It's a this thing. It's a trauma. It's an addiction. I've got three people because of where I've sent people or referred people. And then when you have therapists that you've seen a lot of good work from, you can also ask them for referrals. So I've had people ask me, so like, I don't work with kids like under high school. So I'm not going to, I don't need them. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want them in my practice. It's not what I do, but I can tell you where some good ones are. Yeah. And so I've had bishops call me and say, Hey, I've got a 12 year old kid or, or three kids and a single mom. They're struggling. I'm like, Oh, that's not my bag. But I know this right man or woman, so-and-so therapist who's actually really good with that. Yeah. And if you trust me, you'll likely trust, yeah. you know, who they send. And so that's how I would find the therapist if I were a church leader and then again, on the because it's not just LDS services, so LDS services connected to the church and all of that, but also it's an agency. So if you call an agency, right, so who has multiple therapists working for them, and you call 1-800-AGENCY and say, hey, I've got a client, who do you think that client's going to get referred to? As somebody in the agency. Right. And do you think it's going to get referred to the owner of the agency? No. Or the intern? The in, the intern or... The, Almost always. Yeah. Almost yeah. always. Because it's likely that if that therapist owns an agency, they probably have a pretty successful practice, right. which means they probably aren't hurting to try and find clients to work with, which means if you just pick an agency... So I know one bishop who has two or three people he's found in LDS Family Services who he gets this feedback about being really good. So he doesn't refer people to LDS Family Services. He refers them to Susan and to so-and-so and to so-and-so. And And so I don't care what the agency is. Don't refer to an agency. Refer them to a person. Right. Because you can go to an agency and have an amazing experience and a really bad experience. Because are you getting the person who runs it or that whole thing, yeah. or are you getting... So I wouldn't hang that reputation on a single person. I have no doubt there's a therapist in LDS Family Services who's super ineffective and doesn't do a good job. And I know, and I personally know some in there who ball hard and are excellent therapists. And the reason they work for LDS Family Services is because they love the church. Yeah. So they spend time working in LDS Family Services even though they can make more money in yeah. their own private practice. So it's, you know, go for the, go for the individuals. Don't yeah. go for an agency. And this is probably a good segue to the concept I've discovered just from interviewing a lot of therapists about a lot of topics. Uh, (laughs) You know, you take someone like Tony Overbay Mm -hmm. in California. He's literally taking appointments at six in the morning. And I keep telling him, like, Tony, come on, man, you got got to sleep, you know. And he does. And he's talking to him. He's fine. He's he's balanced his time. And I'm sure he is. But like the good therapists out there who I would love to just refer people to him, they're three, four, five months out. I don't know. And so you sort of get frustrated with now I'm looking for new therapists every week. I mean, is, there's a, a therapy crisis right now. And, and I don't know if I'd call it a shortage of therapists, but the reality is, is there's a whole lot of people who need really good therapists. And yeah. that list of really good therapists and, is, isn't and, as long enough. Yeah. And just like the conversation, when someone comes to me and says, my bishop was totally shaming or didn't see me, I'm like, that probably was true. It probably happened, mm-hmm. right? Or I didn't feel safe with them. When people come to me and go, I had a bad experience in therapy. You probably did. Like I'm just, so therapy, like any other industry is a business where people work and there are people who work in the business who aren't very good. There's every year people who get reported to state agencies and get their license pulled for malpractice. There's a part of the population that shouldn't be practicing, Mm -hmm. right? And there are people who are amazing and do incredible work and are awesome 
there's everything in between, right? And so it's really about finding what works for you. And to the point of, you know, there being a crisis, that's real. I mean, that's totally real. I remember when I started as a therapist, I'm like, how long does it take me to, and they're like, if you're good, it will take five seconds. And I'm like, no, but really, like, how are people going to find me? No, the truth is, if you're good, it takes five seconds. There's a crisis. There's a shortage. There's more people who need good therapy than there are good therapists. Mm -hmm. However, there is a way in. This is (laughs) worth all the price of admission right here. Worth all the price of admission right here. (laughs) So this shouldn't be hard to figure out, but therapists like to work with people who want to do the work. Say that one more time, Steve. (laughs) Therapists want to work with people who want to do the work. So I have a client right now, young kid, like a year off his mission, right? Kind of came home from his mission early, had some stuff, couldn't afford to come anymore. And I'm like, what can you pay? So I'm $120 an hour. I don't take insurance currently. And he comes back to me. He's like, I can pay like $47 an hour, like a a session because I've seen him for two hours at a time. I'm like, where do you get the number 47? (laughs) Like this kid had like ran his budget, like put it together like, is that someone, do you think that guy wants to do the work? Yeah. Come on. Totally. I'm like, well, how about we just round up 40? Cause that's a hard number for me. So let's have some grace <laughs> and totally let's do it. I love meeting with that person at a discount. Cause I'm like, Hey, are you doing the work? He's hungry and he's doing the work and he wants to. I got into a couples therapist, Kayla and I, who runs her agency. And um, we'd been to like two or three different couples therapists. It had not gone well. So we terminated instead of sitting there for three years going, whatever. And she's like, well, I'm not really taking new clients. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me. I know who you are. You are one of the most trained EFT therapists in the state of Utah. And I need help. And other people aren't helping me. I'm telling you, here's my story. I want to do the work. So I will meet with you while you're driving in your car on the phone. I will show up at whatever time you tell me to show up. I'm willing to do the work. We want to meet with you pretty, pretty please. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, let me know and follow up with me. And I said, great. When do you want me to follow up with you? She's like, well, you know, you can call me on Friday. Call her on Friday. She doesn't answer. Send her a text. And I'm like, pretty, pretty please. I really want to work with you. Let me know. She responds with a text and she's like, I can do Mondays at four. Done. And you're in. We saw her for a year and a half. Nice. Um, working when I was When we were working recovery. So the good therapists want to work with good people because here's what I know about all the good therapists, myself included. Have a waiting list. Here's the deal. But if you really show up and want to show up, the funniest thing is I'm probably going to call you when I have a cancellation. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so even as a bishop, right, you can say to that really good therapist, hey, here's what's going on. I have this wonderful couple in my ward and they are just really trying to make it happen and they're in big crisis, but I'm telling you they have hearts of gold. Would you please just meet with them and see, would you make it happen? And frankly, I'd have the member make the call as well. I wouldn't just call as the bishop. Mm-hmm. I would put it on them. And if you reach out that way, I'm telling you, you're going to get in because nice. there's so many people who their spouse wants them to go or they just go to go or they're just, they're spinning wheels. Think about it. That, I mean, do you want to sell burritos to someone who doesn't even like Mexican food? <laughs> hey, how did you like this meal I prepared for you? It's okay. It's lunch. <laughs> I mean, sure, you can sell yeah. a lot of burritos that way, but I mean, yeah. that's not who you want to meet with. And so if you show up wanting to, the other thing I will tell you is good therapists are worth the wait. I know emotionally everything feels like it's in a crisis right now. So if you could A, go to whatever therapist who's available tomorrow and they're like, I've got four different hours tomorrow. 
So that probably tells you something about how good they are. The market has told us, or they're just starting out, ramping up. And you go to someone else who's like, well, I have a three-month waiting list. My advice, wait the three months. Hmm. Or what you can do is go to the other therapist and be on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to the other therapist and say, hey, I'm on a waiting list for a different therapist. I'd be honest and own it. I'm on a waiting list for a different therapist, but I'd still like to do some work when I'm here with you. And if this goes really well, I just won't ever go to the other therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So challenge accepted. Let's go. Nice. So willing to work, and I appreciate that perspective. So what if, because sometimes we sort of, as as a bishop, we prescribe therapy. Like, listen, this mm-hmm. your life is out of control. You got to go to, go. To, you need some help and you got to go to therapy. Right. But they're not willing to work for it. They're sort of like, this is my... My probation, you know, right. requirement. I got to, right. hey, Steve, oh no, you're out three months. Okay, see you, bye. Like they're just, what do you do with people who don't want to don't want right. to put in the work? So I feel like this is so fun. You're just getting all of the random things I want people to know about <laughs> therapy. Um, so it's, it's Christ's invitation to come. I don't make anyone do anything. That was the other dude's plan. That was the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to work on your marriage? No. Okay. Hey, do you want to come back to church? No. Okay. Christ was never like, well, you know, if you don't, you're going to hell. You know that, right? Just want to confirm that with you before I get off the doorstep. No. He extends the invitation. So one of the most beautiful stories I saw of this, and I won't say the general authority's name in case I butched it. And then he's not like, there's some guy out there telling my story and he butched it. (laughs) So he has his kids and he's like, I want my kids to really understand correct principles. And so his daughter comes to him and she's like 10, like young. He's like, hey, it's Sunday. Can I watch a movie? And he's like, we generally don't watch movies on Sunday at our house. That's kind of a Sabbath day holy for us. No. And he's like, well, why don't you pray about it and get an answer? They go through this three times. And she says, no, I I think I'm going to watch it. He doesn't take away her agency or accountability. He leaves it with her. So she goes and she turns on the movie, which also he's like, I'm kind of questioning how appropriate that movie is for you at your age as well. And... um. He's like, she's going to turn it off. She's going to watch it for 10 minutes. She's going to feel guilty, turns it off. Watches the entire movie and goes to bed. <laughs> and he's like, parenting fail, right? They're sitting at breakfast the next morning and she's kind of off. And he says, what's going on with you? She says, yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch movies on Sunday anymore. So this is, to me, a drive me crazy about the widow's might and sacred funds. Someone's going to spin a story to you and you're going to send them to therapy for three years for thousands of dollars and they're going to do nothing. And it's going to be a waste of time because they presented the right way in your office where real easy. So this is how I do it. And I, I recommend this to every church leader I talk to and parent, frankly, I would, unless they're a minor and don't have the ability, but I will not see anyone who doesn't pay for part of their therapy. So I have a client right now, the Bishop of the 120 pays 115. The client pays five, $5. Don't tell me you don't have $5 a week. You can't find $5. So had another client, Bishop's like, no, I'm going to pay for the whole thing, the whole thing. And they just send them and they show up and I didn't have better boundaries at the time. And so I call the Bishop back and I'm like, let me be clear with you. If you do not text me back or the member does not text me back with a number that they are paying, I will not see them anymore. Hmm. And the Bishop's like, okay, fine, we'll do it. So he's avoiding a difficult conversation, which needs to be had. So I'm giving him his agency and accountability back, right? <laughs> so he now is going to give the member their agency and ability camp back. So you know what they decide? $10 a session. Guess how many more times this client came to see me? Zero. Zero. Yeah. This wasn't worth $10. This isn't worth $10 to the member. 
but we should use the sacred funds at $110 worth when they don't value it at 10. So to me, that's that moment. The single mom who's struggling to make it happen and can sit with you in tears and say, this is what's happening to me in my therapy. This is what I'm capable of. This is what I'm learning. I learned about my trauma. I learned about this. I learned about that I don't have boundaries. I know what went wrong in my marriage. I understand why I struggle at church. Here's my shame. I don't care if she's paying $5 a session and I don't care if she goes for three years while she's figuring out all this chronic stuff that's happened to her. Mm -hmm. That should be an easy one for you as a church leader to see. So I have this thing because I feel like there's so much therapy that gets paid for that shouldn't (laughs) and then by the church. And then I feel like there's therapy that we should be paying for that we don't. Yeah. And to me, that's the easy skin in the game. It works. I'm telling you it works. So going back to the the principle is like, just leave it in that inviting state of like, you can invite them, but if they don't want to go, like you can't force them and magically come back like, oh, Bishop, I'm so glad you forced me there. Like all these magical things happened. I mean, maybe some outlier somewhere that will happen, but more often than not, if they're not willing to work for it, like all you can do is just invite and say, okay, well, now, I'm yeah, here. And, and let's understand there's, it's like the kid who's like, I don't want to go on trek. And you're like, just go. And the resistance really is low and they go and they have a great experience. Right. So if I've got a guy in my office who's struggling with porn, he's like, therapy doesn't work. It doesn't matter. I've been before. And go like, look, I think I really have a good one. And he's worked for other people in the ward. Just go three times. And then if you don't want to go, we'll never talk about going to therapy with mm, my gotcha. good brother. Yeah. But why don't we try that on, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not going to try and get people to engage in a way, particularly if I'm paying, using the church's money to pay for it, mm-hmm. when they're not engaged. And again... If someone tells me, oh, therapy's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, I send my email to the therapist. Are they really engaged? Oh, no, they didn't tell you. They've missed half the appointments. Done paying yeah. for that. Yeah. Thanks, therapist. Let yeah. me know, right? I mean, hopefully the good therapist would call you and tell you, but, right? Yeah. Wait, another really good thing to understand is ask your therapist if they go to therapy or if they've been to therapy. Mm. That sounds like a stupid question, but I'm telling you, it's gold. Because they should tell you, oh, I've currently been to therapy or these are the type of therapy models that have worked for me. So don't go to a therapist that's like, oh, I would never go to marriage counseling. I've been divorced three times, but I'd never go to marriage counseling. But yeah, let me counsel you on your marriage. They don't have to have it perfect to be able to help you. But that is also one that's, I mean, it's a qualification for me looking for a therapist personally is I want someone who's engaged actively in drinking their own Kool-Aid, doing their own work. Or the other question you can ask them is, what are you currently getting trained in? Hmm. Because you don't want a therapist that's like, oh, 30 years ago, I learned some really effective stuff. And now because I have a full practice, I just quit learning forever. So those are two questions that can be really helpful. Yeah. And I think that's indirect advice to maybe church leaders who uh, maybe as a bishop or Relief Society president, you should maybe be getting consistent therapy, especially during this time where you're in an intensive calling with much responsibility. Oh, I would challenge, I would challenge any church leader who's holding that much for other people. I would challenge you to find a therapist that you think is legit or qualified and go to three sessions. I dare you. All right. Email us. Let us know who who does that. That's awesome. And when you do, yeah, send us an email. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, because the truth is to church leader, every time I talk to a bishop, the first thing I say is I'm like, or a Relief Society president. I say, the first thing I say is bless you for the weight that you carry and the hard part of this job. Cause I know what it is. And a lot of ward members don't see that when they just see, you you know, setting up and glad handing at the Christmas party. Yeah. And I've not once had a Bishop not feel seen and been like, well, thank you. Like, cause it's true. You, you've had been handed this weight that you serve in this leadership. You deserve a place to process your stuff. Yeah. 
this would be a great future episode. If we get For email sure. us, like it'd be great to hear people's experiences. I was just a bishop. I felt like I had things together. I went to three sessions and this is what happened. So I just did a three-day intensive with a stake president and it was fantastic and a beautiful experience. And one of his things was, I don't take care of myself. My job's to take care of everyone else. And he got a lot taking care of himself and he deserves it. Yeah. He's helped so many people and still helps so many people. So I I want to pivot back to this as far as like intensive therapy, because this is such a f- foreign concept to so many leaders. Because um, there is maybe the individual does need 12 sessions of that talk therapy or, sure. or some type of thing. Sure. But or maybe there's some intensive experience that they go for a week and uh-huh. they come back and that can still they can make progress that way. So uh-huh. it's something to at least investigate understand and as far as the resources out there. So how can a leader begin to understand the resources for intensive therapies? Um, And I'll just share when I was a bishop, there was this one lady that came to me and said, Oh, Bishop, I found this uh, exactly what I need. I'm dealing with a, B and C and uh, they have this program and it's $50,000. So if you could help me with that, that would be great. And in my mind, I'm thinking like I shut off after Mm $50,000. I'm like, there is no way as a bishop, I'm going to write that check, nor I don't think I even can. I've got to make phone calls and things like that. Right. And so where can leaders go to start understanding intensive therapy? Because it would be great if you find the right match and a person goes to it and comes back, you save money and they're at a better spot sooner. Yep. So two reasons to pull that card off of the buffet. So And again, I want to hold space as we're talking perspectives. I literally run intensives. The reason I run intensives is because I personally have seen how much more effective it is than meeting one hour a week. And it's not the right situation for everyone. So if you're going to pull that off the buffet table, to me, there's primarily two reasons. I'm stuck. I've been working on a mental health issue forever and I'm not getting anywhere. And I feel like I've kind of tried everything else. Or right now it's fresh. It's a big trauma such as a death, a divorce, the beginning of an addiction recovery, anything like that. Or I just found out that I was molested by my father when I was a kid, or I just stepped into owning that my alcoholism has a ton to do with a bunch of physical abuse. And so I just stepped into Bishop's office and I'm honest about the alcohol and the abuse and it's all feeling really big all at once. And so that would be a time that I could step into that type of setting There is a lot of ways to do that that's less expensive. So the warrior heart, what elders quorum should be. It really isn't therapy, but it's a weekend and it's only 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. P.S. I'm on the team with it. It's totally a labor of love. Everyone there could be doing something else and make more money. Promise. And nobody makes any money. And nobody makes any money, (laughs) right? They're there because they love it. So there are things like that, right? There are weekends, smaller things like that. And then there's full, you know, week stuff. So I, I mean, I also, you know, work at onsite in Tennessee and at the Oaks in California. And that's, you know, to do a week program there is $6,400. And so, but it's not all $50,000 stuff, right? right? Yeah. And when you say $6,400, like from my bishop perspective, I'm thinking, oof, like that's uh, that's a heavy check, but... Right. You know, I, and, and that's where I would look at it aggregately. If I have someone who, right, just went through a membership council because of huge sexual addiction issues, if I have someone whose spouse just died or had a child commit suicide, I promise you, you will spend $6,000 of therapy over the next several years yeah. for that person. Might as well get it over with and see well, more right. progress. If someone, yeah. if someone were to see me, I'm $120 an hour, which is very middle of the road uh-huh. for therapy and private costs. 
So if you see me four times a month, it's 408, it's $500. So there you go. Yeah. In eight months, you could have gone to onsite instead yeah. of seeing me once a week. So, yeah. and there are people that I meet and see that I'm like, yeah, you should just, you should just go do a program at onsite. Like this is great. And I think I'm good, but like, I think that for you would be a better choice off of the buffet. So that's when I would look at, you know, crisis in that moment or if I'm super stuck, right? So if someone's been working on pornography addiction for 10 years, you can just hope the next therapist is the right one and they might be. But the breakthrough that they could have in a weekend, you know, intensive patient experience, and that could be anywhere from, you know, Warrior Heart for $500 to $1,500, right? I mean, I had a couple from out of state contact me and they're like, we really want to do some couples work. I saw them for a single day. It was under $1,000. They don't have access to that type of resource where they live. So they drove the four hours here to you know Salt Lake, where I am, and we did a day intensive. And I'll be honest, it was, it was, they were very happy with their experience. And like, this is really great. Maybe we do this in a year after we've kind of integrated everything from what we've done here or moved to that. So there's ways to do it. And a lot of therapists, you can ask, hey, I just went through a divorce. Could I block out four hours of therapy with you instead of? And the truth about it is, there is truth to that it's the rich people therapy, because frankly, it is. Mm-hmm. Because I get that it's a lot easier from a financial perspective to write a check for $120 every other week than to come up with five grand right now. That's true. So totally yeah. understand that that's real. And... You also have to ask yourself, why is it the people who have resources do it that way? Because they just like to waste money to show everyone they have resources? No, because it's more effective. Yeah. That's why they do that. <laughs> right. So right. So it'd be worth an individual either engaging with their bishop to, if they can't cover the costs of some of these intensives to do that. And uh, hopefully through this conversation, it's opening sort of that uh, that perspective that these things should be considered, right? Right. So would any therapist... Most therapists, I go to, you know, uh, would they know of these intensives or I'm sure people can reach out to you directly and you do some of your own and totally. Yep. So there, so that, yeah, I mean, there's different options depending on who you're talking to. So a lot of them will do different type of retreats. So you had Thomas on. Oh, Thomas McConkie. Yes. Thomas Uh McConkie on. (laughs) I should refer to him as Thomas. Everyone knows who he is. So he's a big deal in the meditation. Mindfulness. Mindfulness space. Uh So he does retreats. He does intensive stuff and it's not crazy. It's not $50,000 to go to one of his deals. Right. Now what you do need to know is the second he puts it up, it will sell out. So follow him and go to it in a year. Yeah. You're still going to be depressed. You're still going to have your problems. So it'll be there. Go and, there. And I'm year. glad you mentioned that one because Thomas isn't a therapist, but he mm-hmm. has intensive experiences that can still help people progress. Right. Super. Yeah. Totally. I know people have gone to his stuff and are like, man, that was so helpful. And so that's really big, right? And so, I, I mean, I'm doing one this October for men with addiction and trauma, you know, down in Southern Utah where I do my intensives, it's $4,500. So no, it's not cheap. But in that five day, I will get you way further than if you meet with me one hour a week. And so someone's stuck. So if you can go to your bishop on something like that or say, hey, if I pay $1,000 of this, would you pay the 3500 bucks? And then, you know, I won't go to any therapy for six months after this. I'm going to take what I learned from that experience and I'm going to go to a 12-step meeting to be consistent and I'm mm-hmm. going to integrate the information and integrate what I learned. Yeah. Right? And so I wouldn't just be like, hey, wing it, the lady that's like, I found what I need. Just write me a check for 50K and let's see what happens. Right? But with planning, you can step into it. So I have someone, 
a client who's going to onsite for a program and I'm meeting with them only three times before they go to orient them, to get them straight so that they can get the most out of that experience. And then I may or may not meet with them after, probably not. And so, right, so we can work around it. The other big thing that people don't look a lot into is group. Group tends to be cheaper than individual therapy and is actually quite effective. Yeah. So there's, you know, uh, the sexual addiction space, you've got Addo, Lifestar, you know, different people who do it like, do things like that. I'm starting to run some groups again because it's effective from that perspective. So also look into group. And again, Google's a really great thing. So you could type into Google yeah. intensive workshops for depression and stuff will pop up. Yeah. And you can call them and ask some of the questions you said, like, tell right. me about this. What, yeah. how does, why this, does work? this work? Yeah. Right. And they can sell themselves to you. Yeah. Call onsite and say, why would I spend $6,500 and be out there for a week? You're telling me it's a year worth of therapy. And they do. And they have a reason why they think that. And yeah. they'll tell you all about it. Right. And then you can decide in your gut, does that work for me or not? Yeah. Really helpful. Any, what have we missed? So here? value system. That's oh, value what I want to hit on because okay. this is really big with LDS people. <laughs> and I think we're missing the mark. Okay. Unpack it there. What, what do you mean by value system? So I don't want to go to a therapist who isn't LDS because they won't get me. Mm-hmm. Or they'll lead me in a, away from the church. Right, or, they'll, they'll yeah. lead me away from the church. So all therapists should align to your value system. If you're going to a therapist and they're telling you what your value system should be, pick a different one. Mm-hmm. They should never say what's your value system. So I mean, it's really unethical in your in correct. the therapeutic world, right? Correct. Yeah. And so I shouldn't say, so right. if I ask you, so typically an answer is going to be like this. Well, I don't know. I think that I might be gay or, you know, my wife says I shouldn't be looking at porn and I feel like it's not a problem. The therapist is going to say something like, well, what's true to you and your values? If you're actually speaking from your authentic voice, where do you stand? If this stuff wasn't in the way or this pressure from this relationship, what would your truth be? So they're going to go there. So it's okay to be worried about it and you can check for conflict. So I can go to a therapist and say, and do, I currently go to a therapist for myself who is not LDS. And my first thing is I said, hey, one of my things is that I am an active Latter-day Saint. If you have a problem with Latter-day Saints or that community and you don't want to work with me, that's okay. I'll find another therapist. It's no big deal. So if this doesn't work for you, if you're going to be bothered by me and it's disruptive and you can't hold space for my value system, what I believe, because I do believe it, then we can't work together. And then see what that therapist tells you. And so if they're like, oh no, I mean, I hate the LDS church, but we're fine. You can be like, "Mm, maybe not for me, right? But if they can go, oh, I don't care what you are. Sure. I believe in God. Let's do however you do God. That's great. Then you can go, okay, that's fine. And then I just tell them what my value system are. So people are afraid to say the things. It's therapy. You were paying them to be there. Mm-hmm. So I can say to my therapist, look, I don't care what you think. So right, I had one that I said, I absolutely believe that sexual addiction is real. So if you think like looking at porn and stuff is fine, I don't care what you think. You just need to know this is what I think. I don't. So if you can roll with that, and they're like, yeah, I can roll with that. Great. Let's roll with it. I work with people all the time who my personal value system does not align with theirs. But it doesn't matter because I'm just helping them get true to themselves, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not giving them advice. I'm not telling them how to live their life. Mm -hmm. I'm helping them open the doors and get where they need to go to. And that's the thing. Whenever I'm looking at a therapist from a client, so as, as a member, right, whoever, 
you should be able to sit with the therapist, just like we said with the church leader, and say, I'm here to do marriage counseling. My goals are A, B, C. My concerns are D, E, F. Can you answer those? And if they can't give you an answer that makes you feel good, go to someone else. Mm -hmm. So I just started with a new therapist. And I'm like, I'm specifically came to you because you practice this modality and I think I need it. This is the work I want to do with you here. This is what I'm hoping to accomplish. Can you do that? Yes or no? And she told me, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, this is my person. I had the warm and fuzzies. I was crying in the office and I'm like, this feels good. This is right. And so then termination comes when I'm just paying for a friend. Unless you want to do that, then I guess you're welcome to. <laughs> but if my goal was for us to communicate well in our relationship, so the one of the best models I saw of this was that EFT therapist Kayla and I fought to get into. Mm-hmm. We walk in there one day and um, she's like, do you know how to talk to each other? Like, do you know how to get your feelings seen and heard? Yeah. Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do this? Yeah. Okay. So I think we're done meeting. And it's just a choice now. You guys can choose to have a better marriage or not, but you have the tools, you know what to do. If you get really stuck, you're totally welcome to come back and see me and we can work on something in the office. Otherwise, have a great life. Bye. Mm -hmm. And I do that with people all the time. So once I have the tools, I don't have to sit in the therapist's office and work it out. It's like riding a bike. If I literally don't know how to ride a bike, stay in the therapist's office. But once I'm like, I know how to ride. I'm just not that smooth when I shift the gears. Well, just go out and ride your bike Mm -hmm. and figure it out. It's called revelation. We believe in it. God's with you. He wants to heal you. That's the point. But too often, I think people, because they have a great relationship with their therapist, and I think too many therapists love their clients, and so they just stay meeting. And it's like, no, termination should happen when I've learned the skills. If I'm just practicing them and I'm not stuck, get out of the office. Perfect. Steve, if people do want to track you down and connect with you, see if you have any uh, open appointments or... or convince you that they're really willing to work for it, where would you send them? And I want to be sure to plug your podcast, which I never miss an episode of. Oh, it's true. Um, and I appreciate that. So you can just find me at stevenwshields.com. Steven with a V, Shields, like the word we use in the English language. So, <laughs> so middle name's Weston, if you're just curious. So uh, stevenwshields.com is where you can find me and you can see you know upcoming workshop in October, starting some different groups and doing that. And um, yeah, that's... that's and Unashamed and Afraid And podcast. Unashamed and Afraid, everywhere podcasts are found. Totally come and apply for a scholarship. Like I literally will pay for you to go to therapy. Like go to my website and I will pay for six sessions. Like it's that easy. Or if you want to go to onsite, you want to try the intensive thing, we have a scholarship for one. So come and check it out. Unashamedandafraid.com for the scholarship stuff, donate stuff, or anywhere podcasts are found. All right, Steve. So... uh I usually have typical questions I ask, but I know I'm obviously I want to start or I want to end as we started with a focus on the great healer, Jesus. Like where can we end with, uh, with focus on Jesus Christ in, in this discussion of therapy? Well, what I would say is this, this is for me. I actually don't care where you find it, but find it. And what I've learned in, in my walk and my healing in relationship with God is he is going to speak your language and meet you on your terms in your ground. So I've shared with you, as you know, I use it when I speak sometimes. When I started Unashamed, everyone told me it was a bad idea. and You shouldn't do it, which was them speaking out of their shame. And I did it anyways. 
And as I was starting to do it, I was worried about it. I met Lecrae, who's a Christian hip hop artist. I love hip hop. So Christian hip hop worked for me. It's my language. And when I met with him, I was able to meet him for a show. And I said, hey, you've been really honest about parts of your story in your book, blah, blah, blah. He's like, my scars are my scars. And I only answer to God. And in that moment, I had personal revelation where God said, Steve, you know I told you to do this. I'm the only one you're accountable to. Do what I asked you to do. And you will be blessed. You'll be whole. It's a part of you. So I went and did it. And so it is never the therapist's job. to. It's not like going to the doctor. It's about your relationship with God. If that therapist is helping you in your relationship with God, keep them. If they're not, not. If you aren't going to therapy because you're afraid of it, or you're worried about the cost, or it's something like that, I would encourage you to just give it a try. Maybe you don't want to spend thousands of dollars on therapy, but you know what? Find a really good therapist, get on their three-month waiting list. You'll forget about it. Show up there three months later, spend $150 or $80 or whatever they cost one time, and just see. Just come and see, because what if it really works? And the truth is, there's a lot of bad therapy out there and bad therapy that's happened. And it's changed people's lives. It's been a tool in the way that God finds people for a lot of people. So don't go all or nothing on it. Just know what it is and what it can be for you. Because, right, where two or more are gathered, KF. And so when I can gather with someone else or in a group or in a setting where it's confidential, I can be completely honest about who I am. And this person is trained to help me find my true self. I think you've got a good chance of God showing up there if you're showing up. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three free sessions of the LGBT Saints Library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.